Hi, I'm James Gardner, host of Your History, Your Story, a podcast for everybody who loves stories about interesting people and events told by those who uncovered them from within their own family trees. This, we hope, will inspire you to discover and celebrate your history and your story. Justin Breen was only 13 years old when his dad passed away. Thankfully, Justin's dad, who was a U.S. soldier in Europe during World War II and a gifted storyteller, had left a diary. The diary included detailed descriptions of his perilous war experiences and demonstrated to Justin his father's instinctive ability to survive and succeed. By reading his father's diary, Justin was able to learn more about his father and how his father's natural instincts to rise to the top despite hardships, affected his own way of thinking. Additionally, a cousin provided more family history about Justin's grandparents, which helped solidify the family legacy of living life without excuses in order to be the best. In this episode of Your History, Your Story, we will be speaking with Justin Breen, founder and CEO of Brepic Communications, a global PR firm which works with top visionary entrepreneurs. He is also the best-selling author of Epic Business and Epic Life. Justin will tell how he has been shaped by his father's resilience and his mother's high-energy hustle to become a leader in his field while always putting his family first. Justin states that his purpose in life is to be a connecting superhero for every visionary who shares their stories with the world. I'd now like to welcome Justin Breen to our show. Welcome, Justin. I'm excited to talk to you, and thank you for telling me your Colby score before we hit the record. (laughs) Yes, it was very helpful. Thank you for pointing me toward that. So, Justin, first of all, you're out in the Chicago area, right? That is correct. And you live out there with your family, and uh, are you so far having a good spring? Yes. I'm confused because um, yeah, I've done hundreds of interviews and it's fascinating. No one's ever asked me anything like that. And then you told me you're Colby and I said you were a stabilizing human and that was a stabilizing human question. That's why I was genuinely confused by that. That was that was a very nice question. Thank you. Everybody's good? Yes. <laughs> Everyone's good. Yes. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for asking me that. You're welcome. For our listeners who may not know, what what is the Colby score? So it measures how brains take action. I don't care what someone's personality is. Um, in sixty, and we only partner with visionaries, so not humans, not consultants, not business owners, just visionaries. Overwhelming majority of visionaries are at least a seven quick start, like me. In six plus years as an entrepreneur, our firms have partnered with only two people under a seven quick start. Only two. Well, I'm I'm a five, so I'm honored that you're willing to speak with me. <laughs> well, I'm relating to your learning brain. I want to tell you something. So I've been researching you for this podcast. Of course you have. <laughs> and Mike, of course I have. And after researching you, I started to learn some more things about myself, frankly, which is uh, how I do things. I love history. I love researching. Of course. You were a journalist for about 20 years. Yes. Okay, good. 
I know that. <laughs> you know that. Now, now my listeners know that. Yes, thank you. And what I want to know is, so you're no longer what you, you would say a journalist, but you are a CEO and founder of two companies. You are a Wall Street Journal bestselling author. And the book that I want to focus in on, or at least center on, is your book, Epic Life. Because who doesn't want an epic life? Right. Who right? wouldn't want that? And it's not just the, the book's title, it's Epic Life, but it says, and this really grabbed me, how to build collaborative global companies while putting your loved ones first. So I always thought that it was a kind of a trade-off. It was either one or the other. You know, if you're going to really zoom in your career, that somehow there's going to be some big family sacrifices. So the title of your book was a draw for me. When I read your book, Epic Life, I started focusing in on your epic takeaways. Thank you. And one of the things that one of those takeaways that really hit me the most was find strength in your family history and what you can learn from it. And that's something that I've tried to really put that into words uh, as a person who loves history as to how studying the past and particularly my genealogy, how that can convert into how do I move forward? You talk about some of the inspirations that you've had from learning from your family. Tell me about your family. Let's start with your dad, because he seemed to have a big impact on your life. Tell us about your dad. Thank you for that background. And I appreciate that. I'm also a high fact finder. My dad was 61 when I was born. My mom was 27. <clears throat> My dad would be 107 if he was alive now, born in 1916. So uh, Spanish flu, World War One, Depression. He was a World War II hero, uh, shot down multiple times in combat, many times without a parachute, got back into a plane. So that's my litmus test. You're either someone who can do that or you're not. Most people are not. They overthink, overfeel, they don't execute. That's what separates entrepreneurs from humans. Humans overthink and overfeel, entrepreneurs execute. And uh, he became attorney in Nazi war crime, Nuremberg trials. He died when I was 13. And uh, after he died, I found uh, a diary of his that he wrote uh, during Battle of the Hurricane Forest, which was a deadly battle towards the end of World War II. Every day in that diary gets more and more horrific. And uh, if ever an excuse pops into my head, I'll just read that diary. So there's some of the excerpts from that diary in, in the Epic Life book. Yeah. Did your dad really tell you much about his experience other than leaving his diary? So in fourth grade, I was sitting in class and he came. I don't know. I don't know why he came to the and during the school day to drop something off. And uh, so I was telling my teacher, he's a you know proud of my dad. So I'm like, oh, can you? I was asking my teacher, can my dad speak to the class? And so that would have been what 1985. So I think my dad would have been about 69 or 70 years old then. So it's pretty rare to have a, someone that old as as your dad. You know, maybe it would be a grandfather. So so the teacher let him speak to the class, and then about like World War II and stuff. And he, he didn't go into detail much about the fighting. However, I asked him my favorite story that I didn't include in the book, but that I included when I was a fourth grader. I go, Dad, tell the kids about the, the snake when you were training in Colorado. 
it was at uh i think it's called camp hale camp hale they just made it like a national monument but so he was training there and he was sleeping one night he woke up and a rattlesnake crawled right across his neck and then right out out of the tent so he told that story to the fourth graders and then you know these are human children who are overthinkers overfeelers and they were like ah and i was just laughing because i thought it's funny so he, we talked about that but we didn't talk about anything that was in the diary i mean that diary is did you read the excerpts of the diary i did just a hint of what he experienced, I guess. and um... Yeah, just a hint, because every day gets worse. <laughs> I haven't read the full thing. So it, it's rare, but if an excuse pops into my head, kind of an excuse, I'll go down there and read it. And then I'll search for something that's more horrific than what I read the last time. And I'm just trying to think. You were in journalism for approximately 20 years or so. The words of your dad, including the statement, the phrase he had, the cream rises to the top. Did that percolate in you over the years as to what that really meant and how you could apply that to your life or you could help people in their lives? Well, I appreciate your learning brain for that question. And now I see how you activate your learning brain. So I, I appreciate that because what you just said was very powerful. And I'm I'm a learner also. In fairness, I'm a learner. But so when I was a child, he would say that all the time. So no excuses. And then that phrase, when you're a journalist, most journalists, you know, typically would start at a smaller paper and then move up and move up and move up. So eventually I got to the Chicago market, took 16 years or 15 years, so cream rise to the top, and then had job salary cut, zero business background, tried to find a job, couldn't find a job, incorporated. I still don't know what an S-corp is. I don't really care about that stuff. And then while I was working full time at half the salary, I reached out to 5,000 people to find first five clients, cream rises to the top. You know, always thought globally and changing the world, cream rises to the top. No one understood what I was talking about most of my life. The cream rises to the top. The only people that understand what I'm talking about are top entrepreneurs on the planet. Cream rises to the top. Uh, now I have two global companies that only partner with the top visionaries on the planet. The cream rises to the top. So it always goes back to that fundamental phrase because the cream does rise to the top. And most people are not, they're not like that. They're not born like that. And that's fine, but the cream will rise to the top. It'll separate. So to have that as my dad and then to have it from what he said, literally what he said when he was alive and then to have it in the diary and then it's just there, it's. And then our sons are 10 and eight and they're, I mean, they're full cream rising to the top, no excuses. So then it'll continue for there and then it'll continue for their children and all that. So it'll never stop. Now, Justin, your dad had influences in his life and his family tree going back. And you were kind enough to send me a little family history that oh, yeah, relative yeah. sent. And I found it quite intriguing. Tell us about how you felt your dad maybe developed that cream rises to the top philosophy from his family. Thank you. Um, my dad's parents escaped the, the pogroms of Russia. Slaughter, mass slaughter, came to the U.S. speaking no English. Mm -hmm. Okay, cream rises to the top. Uh, they sent all four of their sons, including my dad, to World War II. They were featured in many national publications for that because it was rare to send all of the siblings because they did, there were no girls. It was only boys, but all of them into combat. That's very rare. I mean, Saving Private Ryan, they made a movie about that. 
my dad and his three brothers all survived. They all had very successful lives. The cream rises to the top. Again, Spanish flu, depression. I mean, um, my dad, a genius. I mean, my dad was a genius. So early on in his childhood, uh, I guess what you would call like a local, not mobster, but like, I don't know, someone in that type of realm spotted that brain and then financed my dad to go to college and, and law school because he knew my dad could help him when he graduated. So he's, my dad's brain was very obvious right away in terms of that ability, but the cream rises to the top. So, I mean, I come from that. And then my mom was 27 when I was born. When my dad was in his late fifties, a drunk driver hit him. Oh, this is another cream rises to the top that my a drunk driver hit him. The drunk driver was killed instantly. Dad broke bones in his body. Every bone survived cream rises to the top. And then he woke up and my mom was his nurse. So he thought he was dead, but he thought my mom was an angel, but it was uh, it was my mom. And then most of my days talking to the world's top entrepreneurs, so not humans or not consultants, not you know, not business owners, just entrepreneurs. And then my mom has more hustle than any of them. The highest survive and thrive I've ever met in my life. So I'm the combination of that. Whatever that is, I'm here. Do you lean toward uh, either one of the two personalities? Um, thank you for asking that. I used to think I had absolutely nothing in common with my mom, like nothing other than we like milk, butter, and ice cream. We really like dairy products. So I thought that was the only thing I had in common with my mom. <laughs> then had job salary cut in half and couldn't find a job. And then I saw where what I got from my mom in terms of my hustle. My mom is the ultimate hustler in a good way. The ultimate, ultimate hustler. That is cool. Now, when I was reading the family history your cousin wrote, yeah, talking about your grandparents, uh, Shorty and Nathan. Mm, and I'm named after my grandma. You're Shorty. named after your grandma. I love it. Yeah. He said, try, as far as summing up the two of them, try to positively and purposefully contribute for the better and raise standards and goals and accomplishments. And that sounds a lot like the cream rises to the top, doesn't it? Well, that's what it is. And then the one that really, that's really, the difference between you and me. What is that? Tell me. You said, it sounds like I say it is. <laughs> that's the difference. Isn't that interesting? It is you formulate I'm... and you come up with something in abstract. I make it actual. That's very interesting. Exactly. But the other thing was that uh, your cousin mentioned was regarding your grandparents, highest possible standards of human ethics and morals. Tell me, how does that play into you today and what you are now doing in your companies and in your writing? So most of my days talking to the world's top entrepreneurs, I mean, and for the most part, those are the highest ethics, most giving, caring, loving people. And they're just misunderstood by humans because they're not, entrepreneurs and visionaries are not really human. They're aliens usually within their own family, community, and vertical. Mm. So I spent most of my life talking to people that didn't understand what I was talking about. And then I just found that I was always this person, but only people who understood it were top entrepreneurs on planet. So that's the highest. I mean, without entrepreneurs, there's nothing. If you look at anything, I mean, not nature, but anything, it's 
because of an entrepreneur, anything, highest ethics values, employing everybody. So I we partner with the 0.1%. Maybe that's what my grandparents meant. Highest ethics and values, highest no excuses, because they're the ones that help everyone else. I just don't understand everyone else that makes excuses or overthinks overfield. I just don't, it makes no sense to me. Because again, I mean, you answered your own question by what you said, but it's just comes from, it's a deep family genetics, growing up with it, hearing it, having dad's diary, having that family history. And then I think to your point, which is a good one, my family kept track of that because they realized how exceptional it was. And the books I've written, just like my, I mean, dad, my dad's diary is a book and that family history, that thing's a book. It's a book. It literally was made into a book actually, but um, that was given to family members. But our family appreciates that history because we know where we come from. That allows us to know where we are. And then most importantly, that allows us to know where we're going because we know where we come from. We know where we are. We know where we're going, but it starts with where you come from. And then you're definitely a big, big know where you come from, which is great. I'm like that as well. That's what drew me toward interviewing you was from a quote from the, your dad's diary and how that impacted your life. So we'll never stop ever. That was a, a big thing for me, but one of the things is that, you know, the entrepreneurial life and the, in effect, this uh, sort of manifesting into something that's great, above average, epic. Above average? No, no, no. <laughs> I was talking to um, a 10 quick start yesterday. He's a 3 3 10 3. Um, that's true visionary, no excuses. He has hundreds of employees. He's like, if we're not the best, we don't do it. There's no above average in this world. You're either the best or nothing. That's the way I I think I stole that from a car slogan. So I apologize to the best or nothing people, but that is what, it, there's no above average. No, no, no. Only exceptional. Sometimes I think we we get into a trap where- No, 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 no. I, you and people like that get into a trap, not me. No, there is no above average. There's only exceptional. No excuses. I, I get that. I get that. I'm talking about sometimes where our mind, when some people's minds go. I don't talk to the, that's my point. I don't talk to those people. Well, you can inspire people who maybe think that way. Okay. You're you? more of an empath than I am. People uh -huh. either are like this or you're not. Hmm. Now, here's a big thing for me. You mentioned about my question about asking how your, you know, your family's doing stuff like that. Yes. One of your other epic takeaways that struck me that I like is don't let entrepreneur life destroy your family life. Why would you do that? Uh, because somehow you feel like uh, you have to put more and more effort into your business life because eventually you'll be able to get to give the family what they want and you'll have a better family life that way. That's the trap. Wrong right? answer. What so is the formula for creating a successful global company is simple as you see a problem create solution, problem, solve, successful global company. So I talk to one to two entrepreneurs every single week that have let entrepreneur life destroy their family life or prevented them from anything meaningful or having a family. That's a bad idea. Those are the most miserable people that I know. Chapter three of the book is the best way because entrepreneurs are always smart. And I don't mean like not above average smart, like exceptional geniuses, mm -hmm. literally in IQ form. And then they have exceptionally high IQ or EQ exceptionally high. 
you can't do what these people are doing without a certain type of brain. You just, you just can't, it's not because the, you don't have the coping skills, but so then chapter three is winning the wrong game. So a smart entrepreneur can ask herself or himself, what game am I actually winning? And that's the, to put that subconscious or unconscious into the conscious, most entrepreneurs or many entrepreneurs are, they haven't brought that out into the conscious. So even asking that question can mm -hmm. be transformational. Now, you also talk about if you're constantly grateful, it's hard to be ungrateful. Yes. Tell us about that. That's a really good question. So I'm convinced of this, and this is not a silver spoon. Uh, I'm not talking about silver spoons here, but you're either born top entrepreneur on planet or you're not. I'm convinced of that because, I mean, most people would choose this life, but they don't have the they're not, they can't. So entrepreneurs are the most damaged people with the best coping skills. So uh, the most potential bankruptcy, the most depression, the most, the most um, anxiety, the most trauma as a child, like what my dad overcame. I mean, and then my mom too, but the best coping excuse, the highest EQ, the highest IQ. So they just don't, they just don't make excuses, but many times then those coping skills are used to create all this stuff. And then they, you know, no family in the process. And then to be fair and accurate, my dad was one of those people and would have been if he hadn't have gotten in that accident and then met my mom. I mean, he was 61 when I was born. So I got all of that trauma that he overcame and then probably should have been killed in, in that car accident and then met my mom and was like, okay, time to have family. So I got all that wisdom and that gratefulness, that gratefulness and gratitude that he was just happy to be alive and have a family. And but he was a, not a good dad, not above average, the, the best dad, the best dad. So that's why I would never let entrepreneur life destroy my family life. I know what it's like not to have a, not to have a dad around. And I would never do that to my, my children. I would just never, I would never do that. Um, never or my wife, but would never, especially my children. And so you're either born like that or you're not. I mean, you're not. And so, um, but if you are born like that, you can work on your your mindset every day, which is a good way to learn. That's a good learning technique and a good. Uh, it's like training your brain as a muscle, which it, it which it is. But so the first thing I do every day is a, a grateful journal to my wife. What I'm grateful for for her the previous 24 hours without her, very bad situation. So I write what I'm grateful for for her. Five days a week, I'll include this and that. Do a grateful journal on LinkedIn what I'm grateful for. Um, and then six days a week run outside, no matter the weather we live in Chicago. It's, it's actually nice today, but most of the time it's not nice. So blizzard, thunderstorm, tornado, I'll, you know, run outside. And then I listen to shows like this. So it fills your whole body with, you know, good air and good content. And, uh, so then, you know, when you're constantly grateful, not only is it hard to be ungrateful, but it attracts people that are grateful and it repels people that are arrogant and not grateful. So it's just a magnet. It's a mindset magnet. I'm going to say that's a really good answer. <laughs> well, I answered it long because I'm trying to relate to your learning brain. <laughs> you know, I love to learn, you know, that about me already. Yes. So Talk about anxiety in, in the business world. How does the attitude of gratitude, uh, particularly in your your you know, the entrepreneurs you work with, how does that work for them? It's a really interesting question. 
I really want to think about the answer for that. So that's a really good one. Usually, but not always, people like me marry stabilizing humans. So my wife's a pediatrician. She's a full stabilizing human, incredibly smart, very high IQ, but a stabilizing human, thank God. And what gratitude is, actually, I, I know it is, it's a stabilizing force for visionaries' anxiety. That's what it feels like and acts like to me. So that was a great question. Thank you for asking it. You're welcome. So you talk about, you You have a, a gratitude journal that you write. Is that is that the best way to discipline yourself to make sure you're grateful every day? For me personally? Yes, for you personally. The best way for me is seven days a week, I do the grateful journal to my wife. I do that every day. On LinkedIn, I do it five days a week and then running outside six days a week. Um, sometimes seven, but I, I usually take Sundays off. But the gratitude journal for my wife is the most important because so she, if you think the opposite personality is me, it would be my wife, loving, empathetic, learner, kind. <laughs> Her number one strength finder is harmony, harmony, which almost made me vomit when I heard that harmony. <laughs> I'm 31 out of 34. I'm like harmony. Good God. She's harmony relator achiever and I'm activator maximizer achiever. But um, so we're both achiever three, which is interesting. She just does it with harmony, which I don't even understand that. But so she's collaborative harmony and, and love. And then that grateful journal is my way of saying thank you to her because she needs to be needed and appreciated constantly. So even though I don't share that journal with her, it gets me in the habit pattern of saying thank you to her no matter what she does. So she can have more harmony. So it's really helpful. And it's very hard for me to be a good husband because it's, I mean, harmony doesn't, it's just confusing to me. But that grateful journal is my gift to her because it gets me in the habit of being the best husband I can be. Wow, that's great. Justin, how would you compare <clears throat> yourself today in as far as the, the way you go about your life to say when you were in the middle of your journalistic career, say 10, 15 years ago. Wow. So 10 years ago, our first son was born. I mean, so that's a totally different discussion. 15 years ago, I had just become the sports editor at a very large newspaper. And to get to that point was very difficult. So I'm not a good manager, uh, good leader, but not a good manager. So at that time, I was managing like 15 people. That was not easy for me, but it was a good learning experience to learn I wasn't a good manager, but did the best I could. No excuses. But I was talking to people then that had no idea what I was talking about or what I was thinking in any capacity, and that I was trying to relate to that and do the best job I could. Now it's completely it's totally different, completely different. And then my wife 15 years ago was going through, well, we've been married exactly 15 years. So she was still going through rotations then for medical school stuff. So we barely saw each other then. 
So I'd like to think I've evolved as a human in some capacity, but certainly mindset and gratitude have grown exponentially. Would you say that was a key factor in why you're doing what you're doing today? In terms of what? The mindset and gratitude? Yeah. The number one thing is uh, my wife, for some reason, decided to marry me. That's the number one reason that I have any. I'm, I am joking, but I'm not. Like I'm being very serious. Um, the number two reason is my brain. It, it simplifies everything into patterns. So the number two reason is the cream rises to the top. But what that means is, I guess, in human world is uh, I keep making bigger investments to be in smaller rooms, but the people in those rooms are making bigger impact. So bigger investment, bigger check to be in smaller room, but those people are making bigger impact. That allows me to spend biggest check, biggest investment in smallest room, which is my family where I can make the most impact. So it's the same formula. You just need, if you're not a litmus test for people you serve, you're a hypocrite. So just being a litmus test for the people I serve. So that's that's why, but it comes down to having that mindset of no excuses, the cream rises to the top. I mean, that's what it, it always goes back to the same thing. Always. You mind if I take a moment to reflect on what you just said? <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> you are, you're like in real time learning, man. I can imagine this. Like it's like Euclid. This, this would work. Uh, it would be like a, you're sitting around and then you got the guy in the middle like, oh, let me just think about what you just said. And then you just sit there for 20 minutes. And then what the hell did the Greeks, what did the Greeks do then? And when they were sitting in the, in the bleachers, probably eating some grapes, drinking some wine. And they got the middle. You're the guy in the middle. You're just sitting there. Let me think about that. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna get some, here, I'll go get some grapes. You can think. Yeah, I'll pet my dog. Uh, which dog is it? Toffee Kisses. Did you hear Dr. Pepper throwing up in the background during this interview? Did you hear it? Oh, I would have loved oh, that. Damn it. That would have been awesome. She threw up. She just ralphed over there. That was hilarious. And I can definitely keep this in. Do not stop. Like, I love the outtakes and funny things like that. And I oh. haven't seen how much throw up it, it was, but it didn't sound good. Hopefully that didn't disrupt your learning. <laughs> oh man but not she unleashed the hell out of her mouth there i mean it did not sound good <laughs> <laughs> oh that's perfect yeah classic classic you you mentioned about the biggest impact that you can make is in your home in your family right i have adult children and it's very clear to me that that's the area that i can still make the most impact and, Why would uh, it would never not be that? Exactly. And I think there's some things I did right in my earlier years, some things that maybe I did wrong. Ultimately, I think I, I lean more towards the doing the things right as far as spending time with the kids. But I think when you mm -hmm. try to make a big splash in the world, and that you if you ever think that you have to sacrifice your family for it, just for a season, mind you, you know, everything will turn out right in the end. But boy, when you said that is the place where you can make the biggest impact is in your home. And that, that really hits home with me. I'll tell you that. So thank you for that. I, I think, well, you're welcome. And thank you for reflecting and then echoing mirror mirroring or however you want to responding. You're very, you're very logical. I'm logical with activation and results. It's illogical for me to not put your family first. It's illogical. Most of the people I talk to are so damaged 
with such high coping skills, they just, they don't just don't even understand it until you bring it into the conscious by asking what game are you winning or winning the wrong game, but, or they had to go through a divorce or something or near death or something. But that's why I wrote the book is because like, you don't have to torture family. I mean, I don't, so this kind of sums it up. I was talking to my eight year old who's got my wife's whatever she, her harmony <laughs> and then big, big brain, deep thinker, deep thinker and a full, no excuses maniac like me. We were talking about bending time. So we were eating pizza. We're talking about bending time. It's just him and me. My 10 year old is probably running or something. But the eight-year-old and I were just sitting there, and uh, he provided the single best definition of what life actually is for me. And I hope someone, actually, I hope no one does top this, but if they do, wow, that'd be amazing. So we were talking about bending time, and he's like, so he considers life one long, great day. So there's no, what, what is today? I don't even know. Is today Tuesday? Tuesday. Today, okay. So there's no Tuesday or Sunday. That's just made up stuff. So life is one long, great day. Yesterday is before you were born. Tomorrow's after you die. So that okay, one day. So he said there's two ways to make life one great day. Two, because he's a simplifier like me. One, create more life. Create children. The fundamental reason for any living thing is to create more living things. If someone would like to argue that, I would like to hear that. I don't think there is an argument because if there is, then we wouldn't be here. There would be nothing if that wasn't the fundamental purpose. So I agree with that. Okay, that's good. And then two, he said, other way to have a great day, great life, is do what you like to do and what you're good at it and, and what you're good at and get better at it every day. So that's the best thing I've heard about what life actually is. Uh, sometimes do you think we we miss I know you you think it's completely illogical and it is, but do we miss sometimes that that passion because we keep kicking the can down the road because if we get all this in place first, no, you're 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 lost in learning right now. You're just trying. You're you're execute, 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 execute is the only way to truly learn. The only way to learn anything is by doing something, not. Learning from others is fine, but if you don't do anything about it, it's pointless. So simplify into patterns, which my eight-year-old's already better at it than I am, and I'm pretty good at it, but he's already smarter than me, and he's an empath like my wife, which is with harmony. <laughs> There's that word. Yeah, well, I'm gonna it's disgusting to me, but God, I love I love my children. But um so there's two reasons why people are miserable. And a business work, whatever, employee, whatever that is. There are two. One, they never find out what they like to do and what they're good at. That's most people, I think. They're doing something eight to ten hours a day that they're not good at or don't like to do. That's bad. Two, they actually find out what they like to do, what they're good at, and they don't do anything about it. So they learn, I actually like to do this, and I'm good at it, and then they don't do anything. That's completely insane to me, illogical, whatever. So all this learning is great, but if you don't do anything with it, then what's the point? You do what you love to do. And what I'm good at. And what you're good at. And right. We hope they're the same thing for, for many people because 
if I wanted to be a, a middleweight boxer, because <laughs> I, uh, I loved it, I'd be in trouble. Ah, my dad was a Golden Gloves champion. Of course he was. <laughs> what? The, man was a, the man was amazing. That is such a cool story. I love boxing history, by the way. That's a whole different. Me too. Aha. Uh -huh. We got that in common. Favorite heavyweight of all time. Not the best, maybe, but your favorite. I think it's George Foreman because of when he won the title. And he's an entrepreneur. Got it. There it goes. I'm a Primo Carnera fan. Hmm. That's real. That's real deep dive. Yeah. I interviewed his granddaughter, too. It was a great interview. I loved it. Good learning. Yeah. Jack Johnson would have been a good interview. Oh, Jack Johnson. Yeah. That's that's good. So I love what I love about I'm going off a tangent here. I'm sorry. Of course you are, because now you're in learning mode. <laughs> I love classic boxing because of the stories behind the boxers. The struggles, right. the victories, the stories. Yeah, they're just entrepreneurs. Exactly. Is there anything you you know get in the lane that you're good at, love what you do? And is there anything that you wish you could change about no. the way you do things right now? No. Not at all. No, because if I wanted to, I would just do it. Would you would you want to be more empathetic? No. No, because for top visionaries on the planet, I have endless empathy. Endless. So I have lots of empathy, but it's selective. And then again, for cream rise to the top, no excuses, endless empathy, endless inclusion. My wife taught me how to say thank you to people. So she's collaborative empathy, partner for second company. He's third in empathy, collaborative empathy. So, but no, I, no, 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 no. And then, and to double down on that, because talk is meaningless without action, uh, top entrepreneurs love me because they're like that too, for the most part. And they're like, where have you been all my life? I'm like, well, right here. And they're the ones that help everyone else. So I would argue that's the most empathetic. I, I, you know, we help the world by connecting the people that actually do something to the others who actually do something. So I just don't talk to the people not doing anything. I only talk to the ones who will actually do something. How long does it take you to realize the person is not going to do something? Uh, when I see their Colby. <laughs> ah. Well, that is good. So here, for my learning brain, I have a question for you. If you could, if it were possible to go back in time to speak with somebody in your past, anybody in your family, family history, people maybe you never met. I would just take my sons and have them meet my dad. That's it. I wouldn't say anything. Be like, guys, here, talk to your grandfather. That's it. You would want them to be exposed to him. Yeah. That's not about me. That's about them. Dad, here are my sons. All right. Let me try that now. What would you want them to ask him? Nothing. That's up to them. They're nine quick starts. I'm not an ideator. I'm an activator. So talk about that. When you say you're not an ideator, you're not no. a person who comes up with the ideas, right? No, I talk to geniuses and they come up with all the ideas and then I'm act I simplify and then activate it. So I like to connect ideators who will do something because then they create everything that helps everyone else. I just like to make the intro. I like to simplify and then connect. I don't like doing it. I love doing it. That's the purpose of my life. Out of curiosity, though, wasn't becoming that person, creating that value to entrepreneurs, wasn't that an idea? 
I've had six great ideas in six years as an entrepreneur. I have one a year. So that was one great idea. It is good. It's a great idea. Yes. And then the beauty of being solo and ideation that if it's, a, I mean, you read the book, that's what the forward's about. Yeah. <laughs> or the, the <laughs> if I know it's a really great, I, I've had one a year. So if it's a great idea, then I know it. <laughs> My brain goes, whoa, that's a great idea. But usually it's when I'm talking to others and I go, whoa, wow. And then I stop and then I write it down. That's how I write books. It's like it takes two years to get enough great ideas to write a book. But then I write, you know, I can write a book in a couple of days, 16 days. The last ones it just takes a couple of years to get the ideas because I'm not an ideator. What do you want your legacy to be, Justin? I'm a good dad. Mm, I thought you might say that. Nothing of this matters without that. Good husband too, but if I'm not a good dad, then it's pointless. Do you get any ideas from your? Well, you don't have. You're not. You're not an ideation person, so maybe you don't know. Does your wife <laughs> have any thoughts about your sons and about what directions they may want to go in life? <laughs> you you got to tell me. No, you. You can't tell me that you haven't thought about that. Oh, well, she's a human, a really smart one. So whatever she wants to do is great. I don't, or whatever they want to do. My advice to my children is misdemeanor, okay, felony, bad. Justin, let me ask this of you, and we'll conclude with this. What's next for you? Success is the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. Earl Nightingale, that's his great idea. So I just keep doing what I'm doing, and we'll see what happens from that. Well, I got to tell you, this has been a great, what kind of experience for me? Learning. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Woohoo! <laughs> Learning. We learned. I hope you've had a little bit of fun here too, because you're hey, this is really me having fun. This is me having fun. It is fun. I mean, I'm I've n no, I don't know that I've been this exhilarated during an interview. I want you to know something though. For 40 years I did something that in a career that didn't excite me in the morning. Yeah, of course. You're a five quick start. But you know, I always thought, what is it? You know, family's very important, top of the top notch, right? But what can I do for value? And um, this podcast came out of COVID. Yeah, I didn't create the idea for this. That somebody else did. But I'm having fun meeting people like you and others, and it's been a it's Good. been a great experience. I really wish you the best with your company, yeah. but most of all, that you your family has a wonderful year and that you have a lot of fun watching baseball games and and just being a great dad like you are. Thank you. That means a lot to me. And. Um... Excellent questions. You really made me think in, in, in many ways. And uh, especially with the gratitude being like a stabilizer. I think that's a, that's a big key opener, door opener with a key. I think entrepreneurs will benefit from that immensely. I agree. Gratitude is the equivalent of a stabilizing human marrying that person. That's what it is. hundred percent. That's a great pattern that you unearthed there. Thank you. You're welcome, Justin. And Alyssa, I wish you the very best and uh, hope to, I'll be following you. I'll be waiting for your next book. Oh, you will be following and watching and then like, oh, what was that that was said today? I'm going to think about that. I'm going (laughs) to think about it. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to learn. It's an interesting brain you have there. Good learning brain. I'll keep it until it dries up. (laughs) (laughs) Got a long time. Long time before that. Uh, thanks, Justin. Listen, you take care. Have a great day. And thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Have a okay. great day. Bye-bye.
Thank you for joining us for this episode of Your History, Your Story. You can connect with us on Facebook and YouTube at Your History, Your Story, or on Instagram and Twitter at YHYS Podcast. We'd love to hear from you if you have any questions, comments, or a story to tell. Be well and God bless.